I'm excited today. Right now, if you see that, I, right, this afternoon we'll be having a wedding. And, and also, please pray for that. That's the reason why we're not, um, some of us are not here this morning. Now, um, why don't we jump straight into the Word? Why don't you open your Bibles with me to John chapter 6. We'll be reading from verse 16 to 21. Why don't we all stand in reverence of the Word? And, then, and this is one of those preachings where um, I knew immediately that this word is going to preach more to me than anyone else, right? So please bear with me today. Now, let's read it all together. Verse 16, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough. Because a strong wind was blowing, when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Why do we bow our heads and pray? Father, we, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, for the reading of your word. And Father, you are counselor, you are truth. Father, you are our comforter. Lord God, you are the giver of life. And we know, Father, that um, you know every concern that we have in this room right now. Father, may it be relationships, may it be financial things, may it be our health, Lord. And may it, may it maybe even be our faith, Father. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would touch our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let me, you may now take your seats. All right, so before anything else, um, it's been a custom of mine, it's been a tradition of mine to introduce my family to you. Now, I know there's first-timers in the room, so allow me to introduce my family. Right? The one sitting with me is my wife, Army. She's over here. And the one standing, the guy, the gentleman on, my, on your left, all right? that's my son, his name is CJ. He's single. Now, if you know someone, he's also available. Now, on my left or on your, on your right, okay, is my daughter, Christelle. She's 22, right? Listen to this. She's going to study again, so don't even think about it, all right? Now, when they were in high school, I would go, it was always my privilege to go drop them and pick them up. Um, especially in the last year of my daughter. So in the last year of my daughter, I had the privilege to be um, a lot, to have, hot, to have had a lot more free time, so I'd go pick her up in the afternoon. Now, I have this habit. I have this habit of, you know, looking at Google Maps. Now, who, who, who looks at Google Maps when you travel? And, and when you see that it's all green, you go like, okay, I leave after 10 minutes, you know, or I leave after five minutes. And lo and behold, um, on that day, I said, I, I was confident I'm going to reach there on time, actually before time. And when I was on the road, it was traffic. You know? and, and who among you have experienced this? Right? Have experienced this that, um, you know, when troubles start coming one after the other? And, and you know, when you, you go out of the house, it was, it was traffic. And then, you know, like, 
after the traffic, you get it's red light and red light and red light after the other. You know, or, or you know who among you were, you just got out of the hospital, then suddenly there's another person in the hospital and another person in the hospital. Have you ever experienced that? That troubles does not stop. They just come one after the other. Have you experienced that or it is just me? We've experienced it, right? And, and, and what's so amazing is that, you know, this story is not unique, right? Uh, that story is not just unique to us. It's also unique back then. And, and that's, the, the, that, that's a set of scripture that we have just read earlier. They went down into the boat. It, there was a storm, and they kept rowing and rowing and rowing, and nothing was happening. It was like that. Now, in the past five weeks, we've been in the series entitled Miracles. And who among you have experienced a miracle? Yet, right? I think all of us have experienced a miracle. The fact that we woke up this morning still breathing and able to walk, that's a miracle. That's already a miracle. And I love this series because it allows us to see God working in our everyday lives. And not only working in our everyday lives, but we see God working through us as well. Imagine that. Who among you have relatives at home that you still send money to? Right? It's a miracle that you're still able to send money. Amen? It's a miracle that you're still able to say, hey, I still have money to send you. Who among you wake, woke up in the morning and your wife is still beside you? Or your husband is still behind, beside you? That's a miracle, right? We experience miracles every single day. And, 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 and another reason why I love this series is that we also believe that as a result of us experiencing miracles, we can make God known. Amen? That no matter how broken we are, no matter how incomplete we are, we can still make God known. Can I hear an amen? Right? And last week, we talked about the feeding of the 12,000 or the feeding of the 5,000 families. And while, yes, Jesus was preaching to the masses, right? They, 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 he was preaching to the masses and the masses saw him as the provider. They saw him as the Messiah, not the Messiah, the Messiah, the prophet, not the prophet. And while the, while the masses saw that, what struck me the most is the lesson that the apostles or the disciples learned. And you know what was that lesson? It's the lesson that they can rely on Jesus, right? The lesson that they can trust in Jesus and obey Him, even when they don't understand and they themselves have nothing to give. If you look at the lesson, you know, Jesus, where are we going to get food to feed these 5,000 families? And why did I say families? It says in the book, men, right? But there was a boy. And what's, what, what's the name of that boy? Fish boy or bread boy, okay? Um, now, 
Yeah, so even, without, even when they don't understand and they themselves have nothing to give, they can still trust and obey Jesus Christ. So what happens next is the test. Okay? So again, what was the lesson? The lesson is to trust and obey Jesus Christ even when you have nothing to give. That's the lesson. Now what's the test? Okay? The test is found in the verses that we've read earlier, John chapter 6, 16 to 21. And let me just read it again for you. And I hope you open your Bibles and you just keep, you know, keep those verses in, open in front of you. Verse 16, when evening came, okay, imagine this. Imagine this with me. You're in the shore, in a deserted place, okay? They're not in Bethsaida, they're not in... Capernaum, they're somewhere in the middle, deserted place, right? There was no Wi-Fi, no electricity, right? So when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, so that means they're in the mountains, went down to the sea, got into the boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not come to them. The sea became rough, right? They went down, they were tired, they were feeding 5,000, they went down, the sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. And when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. And, and when I, the reason I wanted to read it again is the first time I read the story, I mean, okay, it's, it's a narrative, right? It, it's, it's not a parable. It's a narrative. That means it's history. It happened. So it was like common to me. It was, you know, boats are boats. Boats are made to withstand the weather. So I read it over and, and over again. And I hope that even after the service today, you continue to read it over and over. Because this account of Jesus walking in the water is actually an abbreviated version of John, okay? It's not complete. If you want to see the other accounts, you can go visit Matthew and Mark. There's also accounts of this walking in the water there. So why did he abbreviate it? Because the book of John was actually written decades after the books of Mark and Matthew were written, okay? So John assumed that the masses who he was talking to decades after this account, already fully understood what was happening. So he just abbreviated it. But he could have even skipped it. But I think he wanted to, you know, what he wanted to do is to take the opportunity, right, to build on the theme that he was building on, on the book of John, right? So what's the theme that he was building on? He was building on the theme that to make God known. Get it? Okay? He was building on that theme. Now, why is this important? Okay? This is important because as we experience Jesus Christ, as we come to know Jesus Christ, there are people who don't know Him yet. Alright? Or people who knew Him but forget about Him or forgot about Him. And that's the reason why as we experience God's miracles, 
it's an opportunity for us, like John, right, to make him known. And that's my prayer this morning. Now, at this point in time, the disciples knew that Jesus was the prophet, correct? Because they were waiting for the prophet. They were waiting for the Messiah, right? They might even know that, you know, they even maybe know that he was the Messiah. Because if you look at the history of Israel, there's a lot of saviors that came to save Israel, all right? Israel is in a, it's in a pattern where they are saved by God, They do bad things. They get captured by another nation and they are saved by God and they do bad things and over and over and over again. This was happening. So they knew maybe that Jesus is the Savior, but they didn't know that Jesus was the Son of God. Get me? Right? Remember, even the crowds, they were expecting, they wanted to take Jesus by force and make him king. So they were expecting for a military king. But Jesus actually is more concerned not of our physical state, but also our spiritual state. Now, if you look at, um, if you look at Mark 6.52, why did I say that? Right? Why did I say that, yes, they knew that he was the prophet, but he, they knew that he might be the Messiah. But in Mark 6.52, it says here, For they did not understand about the loaves. All right? They did not understand about boy bread. All right? They did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. You get the picture now. All right? They've experienced Jesus as um, healer. They've experienced the Jesus turning water into wine. They've experienced Jesus, in feeding the 5,000, they know him as the prophet, they know him as the Messiah, but they don't know him as God. Excuse me. So what was the lesson? The lesson was taught when he fed the 5,000. Now him walking in water is the test that would prepare them for the Jesus, for, for when Jesus says, I am. Look at your Bibles. Look at John chapter 6. Right? He feeds the 5,000. He walks in water. And then, in the famous verse, John chapter 6, 66. 666. Okay? After this, many of his disciples turned back and, and no longer walk with him. Which, which shows a perspective, right? Which, which changes my perspective. And in looking at the text today, what if Jesus did not show himself as God? Would the disciples also turn their backs on him? I, I'm just speculating here, right? But I believe, for me, that's the test. Okay? But, you know, God is so amazing. Listen to this. And I don't know what situation you're in right now. I don't know where you are in your walk in faith. I don't know if you still believe in God or just you're just here because you want to, or you want to uh, put a check on your religious quota. I don't know where you are right now. 
But what I do know is at some point in time, you will have trials. Maybe you'll have trials in your marriage. You'll may, you maybe have trials in your finances. You may be having trials in your health. Right? But what I do know is that in trials, we receive God's grace. Just like in the, par- just like in the, in the passage that we, learned, we read earlier. God gives grace in trials. But who, would, who among you would volunteer yourself and, and say, Lord, put me in trial? You know? So my prayer is that even before we go to that trial, we will know this truth. See, the life of a Christian is not a storm-free life. It's not a storm-free life. But it is storm-proof if you have Jesus in your boat. In fact, the day I surrendered myself to Jesus Christ was the day that I had more trials. When, before I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, I, I, I was a spoiled brat. My dad gave me what I wanted. My mom fed me what I wanted. Um, I had friends, great friends, good friends. And when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, suddenly someone would say, don't eat that, eat vegetables. I said, what? Who eats vegetables? Only chicken eat vegetables, right? And, and my friends started to ridicule me because I had a Bible in my bag. And then I started, you know, I, I started becoming the uncool kid, kid because I stopped drinking and I stopped smoking. Sometimes when we choose to follow Christ, that's when trials begin. And, and I've heard a lot of preachings that say that, you know, Follow Christ and everything will be smooth sailing. But I think that's very far from the truth. Because when you look at the passage today, the reason why the disciples were on their boat was why? Because Jesus asked them to go on that boat. They obeyed, but they were in trials. But trials are, is a beautiful thing because it is when we receive God's grace to the fullest. Right? So let's go back to the text. Right? Verse 16. It says here, When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. Okay? When evening came, it's getting dark. His disciples went down to the sea. Now, what I have here is a picture of the Sea of Galilee where the disciples are. (coughs) Sorry. The Sea of Galilee is actually 700 feet below sea level. Right? So it's below sea level. It is surrounded by mountains. Okay? It's surrounded by mountains. Yeah. You see Mount Hermon. This area here are mountains. And this is the sea which is below 700 feet below sea level. So they were somewhere. All right? The disciples were somewhere here or here. They were not in the city because they were in a deserted place. Okay? So when afternoon came, they went down from the hills, maybe from here or from here, and they rode the boat. Right? Maybe they rode the boat here and they were going towards Capernaum. Now in some, uh, in the other, uh, other gospel, 
it says that they were going to Bethsaida, okay? I think there's a reason why. It, they, they, maybe they intentionally were going to Bethsaida, but because of the weather, it changed. So they were come, this, it says here, um, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, and further on, they got into the boat, okay, verse 17, and here I have for, with you, I, and I want, you know, when I, I show all of this, I, I want you to imagine with me as if you were there. I'm not trying to put you to sleep, okay? I want you to imagine with me as if you were there, okay? Now, in verse 17, it says here that they went into a boat. Okay, and the boat, they were actually able to excavate a boat, okay? And this is the boat, all right? This is the boat during the time of Jesus Christ, okay? So the boat was about 26.5 feet long. Architect, help me. It's from here to there? 26.5. Longer? There? Oh, there's two architects. Okay, architect, Malu, welcome, welcome. Okay, so 26.5. So it's from there to here. Example, maybe? Out there, right? Now, so that's the length of the boat. Bear with me. The width of the boat is 7.5 feet wide so it's about this tall okay i am i am i don't know five eleven and a half so it's about this wide okay so imagine this boat it's this long and about my height now why do i want you to imagine that okay why do i want you to imagine that because this boat can only transport 10 to 12 people okay 10 to 12 people Remember the ferry incident back in the Philippines because it was overloaded? What happened to that ferry during the typhoon? It sank, right? So 26 by this and that, and then 12 people on the boat. And this, is another, and, and this boat is actually a low-riding boat, okay? <coughs> Meaning that when it's full, you can almost touch the water with your hand. Okay, you know, like the Harleys, right? the low-riding Harley. So this boat is also low-riding boat. Imagine me. So they were in the mountains. There was mountains. There was 7,000. There was, the sea is 700 feet below, water, below the sea level. Okay, this is science. Okay, this is science. So... <coughs> And then they got into the boat, verse 17, got into the boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. Okay, across the sea to Capernaum. Now, so they were here, they're going from here to there, right? Now it was dark. Okay, so 700, you're surrounded by mountains, 700 feet below sea level, low riding boat, full capacity, and it was dark. Now, I know that sometimes, you know, in movies, when you sail towards the sunset, it's romantic, right? But have you ever experienced being at sea and it's dark? Have you ever experienced that? It's scary. It's scary. 
And, and your boat is filled to capacity. It's scary. I'm kidding you not. Mark 6 says that, um, yes, they were in the desert. And, <clears throat> and, and here, when you're out in the sea, it's already scary when it's dark. But if you look at the map, can we go back to the map? Okay. Mount Hermon is over there. All right? Mount Hermon is over there. And, and, and I want, you, and I want to, you to know that verse 16, when they were in the dark, Jesus had not yet come to them. Okay? So, low-lying boat in a sea that's most, that has very fickle weather, it was getting dark and Jesus was not there with them. Okay? That's their situation. They were at sea. That's number one. And the Bible says, in the Bible, the sea is often used as a metaphor for what? Chaos, turbulence, and danger. Okay? They were at sea. And in the Bible, it stands for chaos, turbulence, and danger. See, the sea is a powerful force of nature that can be both beautiful and terrifying. And it is often associated with what? With the unknown and the unpredictable. So I want you to just, let's just pause for a bit. And ask ourselves, what are the seas that we are into right now? What's turbulent? What's dangerous? What's unpredictable? Is it our health? Is it our finances? Is it our jobs? Or it may even be our relationships. What sea are you in right now. And, and that's not an exhaustive list. There's a lot of seas that are happening right now. It may even be addiction. Right? It may even be wanting something that we just can't put our hands on. That can be a sea right now. What are those seas that you're into right now? And, and second, the boat was filled to capacity. Right. Now, in the Bible, the boat is often used as a metaphor for the church or the community of believers. And just as a boat provides safety and security for travelers when they cross the sea, the church also provides safe and secure space for us believers to navigate in. Question is, what boat are you into right now? Are you in the boat alone? Or are you in the boat with your life groups? Are you in the boat that's sinking? And if you're in the boat that's sinking, the question is, what can you do about it? Or are you in the boat? And what are you doing in the boat? Are you just sitting and watching everything? Or are you, act, are, are you actively participating? Okay. And it's, it was also dark. In the Bible, darkness is often used as a metaphor for evil, sin, and spiritual blindness. 
What's that to you right now? What's your spiritual blindness right now? Like darkness represents a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding, and a lack of enlightenment. Are you in the darkness this very moment? Have you ever thought about that? Because it's easy, right? It's easy to see what the disciples are in right now. But what's so difficult is to see ourselves in that boat. Are you in the dark? You know, it can be, darkness can be associated with fear as well. Fear, confusion. I don't understand her, you know, or even despair. Lack of hope. But on top of that, you know what's worse? They're already at sea. They're at capacity. It was dark. And worse, Jesus was not with them. And then this can be seen as, you know, going through struggles in life. Going through, you know, difficulties in life, going through hardships in life, facing the journey, thinking, right? Let me put an emphasis on that word, thinking that we are alone. But wait, it doesn't stop there. Verse 18 says this, the sea became rough, like the traffic light, and then, you know, when you're going to pick up your child or going for an important meeting, there's traffic and you keep hitting the red light, keep on hitting the red light, red light, red light. You know, it's the same with the disciples. It, they, the sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. And then if you look at the map again, when the cold wind coming from Mount Hermon and the other mountains... You know, remember science lessons during the evening? During the daytime, the cold wind comes from the sea to the mountains, right? But during the, the nighttime, it's the opposite. It's the cold air coming from the mountains to the sea, okay? So when the cold air coming from Mount Hermon, which I think is about 9,200 feet above sea level, and remember the Sea of Galilee is 700 feet below sea level, so that's about 10,000 feet difference, when the wind comes from, the cold wind comes from Mount Hermon, it goes down to the Sea of Galilee here. What happens is a storm. So are you still in that boat with me? Low-lying boat, storm coming, and there's these big waves that are kept on hitting the, the, the boat. And, and you know what? It says there four hours, okay, for hours on end. It was evening when they left, and it was almost uh, sunrise when they saw Jesus Christ. So for hours, they kept rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing the boat. And why do they have to row the boat? Why do I know that they have to row the boat? Because if they stopped rowing, 
the boat will go sideways. Okay, they're rowing towards the waves. Okay, when the boat goes sideways, the waves would come into the boat. It will swamp them and the boat will sink. You get the picture? Can you imagine that with me? Right? Now, in life, okay, as Christians or even as non-Christians in life, this is for certain we will face struggles. We will face struggles. It's not if we face struggles, but it's a when will we face those struggles. The fact that Jesus was not with the disciples in the boat at the time of the storm can be seen as a metaphor for the challenges and the struggles that we face on our own in our personal faith journey. Have you been trying to grow in faith alone? Not alone in a sense that physically you're alone, but growing in faith apart, in, apart from Jesus Christ. Have you been trying to go through life apart from Jesus Christ? Without Jesus, his disciples were left to face the storm on their own, and they had to navigate it alone. What sea are you in right now? What struggles are you facing right now? Question is, how are you facing it? How are you navigating through the storms? I was a smoker. Right? I, I smoked about, and I think that, no. I smoked about <clears throat> a pack a day. Right? A pack a day. <clears throat> and, and, and you know what's, what's so difficult about smoking? It's difficult to quit. So I relied on my own strength. I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to stop smoking from now on. I'm going to smoke half a pack a day. Okay, that's fine. I still satisfied my craving. And then I said, Lord, I'm going to smoke one stick every meal. I said, okay, that's fine. Maybe, you know, it's getting better. At least it's no longer a pack a day. And then I said, Lord, I'm going to smoke one stick a day. And then it's, it's, it's just hard to stop. Hard to stop. And then I said, maybe if I smoke different brands, you know, it will be good for me. So I had Marlboro Gold, Marlboro Menthol, and this is not a paid promotion. Please don't smoke. It's bad for your health. Right? Um, and, and so on and so forth. And, and one day I'd smoke gold, one day I'd smoke menthol, one day I'd smoke this, thinking that I would lose my appetite, but it did not. And one day I woke up and I said to myself, I can't do it alone. I said to myself, Lord, I'll only be able to stop smoking if you help me too. Lord, help me. You know what I did? I bought another pack, took my wish stick, and started to smoke one more stick. <laughs> I know it's ironic, but that was my last stick. From that day onward, I never touched a cigarette physically again. But sometimes I would dream I'm still smoking. Okay? But that's just a dream. I've never touched a stick again because I realized that I can't face life's struggle alone. We will face struggles. Okay. 
But oftentimes, you know, we feel that we are left on our own. And, and if you look at the story, you know, why the disciples were there in the first place, you know, in Matthew, it tells us that this. Right? Immediately, he, right, who's that he? Jesus Christ made the disciples go into the boat. Question is, did Jesus not know that the storm is coming? Did he not know? He knew. Why did he know? He's God. Right? And, and this is what I said earlier. Oftentimes, I would hear people say that if we obey Jesus Christ, everything will be smooth sailing. But, you know, everything, everything, you know, we, we, we hear them everything say that everything will be fine, but honestly, we will face trials and a lot of them. Why? Why do we still face trials? Okay? It's to witness so that we can become a witness to the glory of Jesus Christ. And why do I say this? Like me trying to stop smoking on my own. Maybe you or someone else in the room trying to solve their financial problems by working harder or trying to solve their, their fear by, you know, surrounding themselves with a lot of people. You know, the danger is that all of us, like the disciples who kept rowing so that they can reach the land, right? All of us crave for peace and security, right? Who does not want peace and security, Okay, I will give you my benefit number. You can transfer your money to my benefit number okay, so that you don't have security. But all of us crave for peace and security. And in the danger is that we look to ourselves to satisfy that craving. Amen? Amen? If you want a, 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 a relationship that will go to eternity, what do you do? You go to church and find someone who fears God, right? If you want to have if you want protection from the weather, what do you do? You rent a flat or you build your house. But, you know, that's good and all. But I think what we should do first is come to Jesus Christ. Right? Because that, that, that craving for safety and security cannot be satisfied by anything in this world. It can only be satisfied by Jesus Christ. The next verse, it says here, when they had rowed about three or four miles, how many, uh, three or four miles is how many in kilometers? Uh, five kilometers? It's a long way, okay? I don't know. I don't know how it is in kilometers, but three or four miles is a long way, okay? So imagine, there's a storm, strong wind, and they were rowing three or four miles. That's how the disciples craved for safety and security. They were rowing and rowing to reach the shore, but the winds and the waves kept stopping them. Have you ever experienced that? I was looking and looking for a job, but you know what? I always have no favor from my interviewers. 
I, I kept starting my own business, but it always fails. I want to grow in faith. I read my Bible every day. I pray every day. I even fast every day. But still, why am I not growing in faith? I join the life groups. You know, I, 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 I go to Bible studies. I attend prayer meetings weekly. But why am I still not growing in faith? For hours, they kept rowing because they, if they stopped, they knew that the boat will sink. Now, even today, okay, even today, our nature actually makes us feel that we are in control. I studied for this, right? I've made to be like this. I've trained to be this. I woke up this way. Okay? That was a joke. I did not woke up this way. Okay? See, the regular tendency, see, there's another habit of mine, and, and I get scolded by my wife every single time. I have this habit of putting things aside until it's almost a deadline. Who's like that? Only me? Okay, don't judge me. Okay? So I, my mind does not work if it's still far away from the deadline. I, I, I think I'm, 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 I'm designed to work under pressure. And my wife just keeps saying, don't do that, don't do that, don't wait till tomorrow to do it, do it now. I hear her, and I, under, I know that she's right, but my mind, I don't know, it's, it's lazy sometimes. Why? Because I know that based on my skills, based on what I've learned, I can meet my deadline confidently. Guess what happened one time? Right? I was preaching that Friday. I've studied my notes. I've studied the law. I've read, you know, I read books already on that preaching. And I said to myself, I'll do it you know, Thursday afternoon. So back then, I, I worked from... 7 to 3, but on Thursdays from almost from 12 p.m. till time to go home, we're all on, uh, we're already in a weekend mood. So I said to myself, let me do it from that time and then review it in the night. Lo and behold, right, someone important came on a Thursday ah, and he wanted me to do something and I was stuck with him for about until 11 p.m. in the night. And I was preaching the next day. So, 11, so I, I said, okay, I'll wake up at 4 a.m. But I was just too tired to do that. And, and, and I knew that without the power of the Lord, without the wisdom of the Lord, I would have, that preaching would have gone down the drain the minute it started. So that morning, I woke up and said to myself, I can't do it alone. I need God. I prayed and I prayed, and thank you, Lord, you know, for helping me preach that word. At least, you know, at least one or two people would have understand, understood it, right? What I'm trying to say is this. We are always under the impression that we are in control of every aspect of our lives, our finances, Right? We think that we are in control of our lives. But honestly, left on our own, you know what awaits us? 
ruin awaits us. We need God. So the best thing that can happen to us is to come into a realization that we are not in control. The apostles were seasoned fishermen. Some of them were seasoned fishermen. Every single day they were at sea. They knew what was going to happen. They were confident that they, when, when they got into that boat, they were confident that they can reach the shore safely because they were seasoned fishermen. But still, these trials came. And what's the lesson that God wants them to learn and what God wants us to learn this morning? What is the grace that they have received on that boat so that when John 666 comes, they won't turn their backs away from Jesus Christ? What was that lesson? What was that important reminder? And that important reminder is this, that God is in control. Now, even if that means being assaulted, bombarded, flooded with trials and tribulation, and the feeling that Jesus is not with us, right? I say feeling that Jesus is not with us. Have you been in that situation when you ask, Lord, where are you right now in my trials? Lord, I've been hurt. I've been bombarded. I've been betrayed so many times. Lord, where are you right now? Even if that's the lesson, you know, if, even if that's where God has placed you, there is grace because God is reminding you that God, He is in control. He knows that the storm will hit the disciples. He knows that the storm will hit our lives. He was in the mountains, remember, in Matthew? And what was He doing in the mountains? He was praying. And if you're in the mountainside, you see the seas and you will see the disciples rowing their boats. Some of you will say, how will, the, how will Jesus see? It's dark. Well, He's God. He is God. He sees you in the dark. Right? It's just a feeling that we are alone, but we are not alone. He is in the throne in, 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 the, in, in his throne in heaven right now, interceding for us. And I can only assume that even at this very moment, and I not, not only assume, but know with conviction that even in this very moment where you're in the storm, where you're in that boat, when you're in the sea, right, God is, is looking at you right now, praying for you. But we need to be reminded that God is in control. We need to be reminded because the weather fails. The weather fails. Right? I don't know what season you're in right now. Maybe you're in a good season right now. Everything's smooth sailing. You have a job. You're earning a lot. You have a good family with you. You know, you have everything that you need iPhone 14 Max Pro or, or Samsung, whatever. Okay? I don't know if you have that. But guess what? It will fail. You may have money in the bank. You may have your house in, house, big houses everywhere. But guess what? It will fail. Okay? The boat fails. The boat fails. See, this church is comprised with people. No one here is perfect, not even one. 
Some people seem like they care, but actually they don't. That was a joke. The boat fails. What what we're riding on right now, fame, fortune, you know, that will fail. The light fails. They were in darkness. If you have an inspiration right now, the love of your life, guess what? That will fail. If you have one, you know, if you're looking at someone who's going to save you, that will fail. If you have your insurance right now and you think that will catch you, that will fail. But there's one who will never fail. Jesus never fails. He never fails. He never left his disciples. In sickness or in health, he will never leave you. A.W. Pink says this, The darkness becomes more gloomy and he still waits. Lord, it's dark already, Lord. Where are you? He still waits. Why does he wait? He waits to be gracious. A.W. Pink further says that sometimes the Lord waits until it is event-tied before he appears. And and, And when he appears, he appears in his delivering grace and power. So you may be in a storm right now, but you're not in the storm alone. He will come because he never fails. John 16, 21, right? And I will end with this, I hope. Humor states. He said, right, so it was stormy, all right? It was, you know, the storms were raging, okay? And, and then they suddenly they see Jesus walking. He was about to pass them, but they saw him and they were fear in fear. And then what did he say? He said to them, It is I. It is I. Right? And, and, and this is when the Greek translation becomes helpful. Actually, it is I in the original text would mean ego ami. Say it with me. Don't forget it. Ego ami. Say it again. And what does ego ami mean? It means I am. I exist. Ego ami. Now, the absence of a predicative nominative in this phrase means that when Jesus said, I am, it points to his deity. Remember Moses in the burning bush? What shall I tell them? I am. So imagine this with me. He's not just saying, I am. But he also says, I exist. So I don't know what storms you're in right now. I don't know the trials that you're in right now. 
Maybe you got your third warning letter. Maybe you got the news that, that you have an incurable disease. I don't know. Maybe a family member, you know, got the news that, that he or she has an, an incurable disease. Maybe it's your birthday this month and you're still single. I don't know. I don't know the storm, right? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's, I don't know what the storm you're in right now. But close your eyes with me. Imagine you're in the storm and you hear Jesus say, I am. I exist. If I paraphrase that, it's like Jesus saying, I am God and I am here. You don't have to face the storm alone. You don't have to face the waves alone. I am God. I am here. And, and I want you to look at the screen. Because it's not just saying, I am God, I am here. It's also saying, I came to you. And, and, and if you ask me, if you ask me, you know, what's the biggest miracle here? The biggest miracle is Jesus coming to us. Because after he said, Ego ami, I am here, I exist. You see what's next? Verse 28 says, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And if you look at the next verse, it says, Then they were glad to take him into the boat. Right? They were glad to take him into the boat. Right? They were scared. They were, you know, they were shocked. They were scared for their lives. But when they heard Jesus say, Ego ami, do not be afraid. The storms were still raging and they were glad to take him into the boat. The storms have never stopped yet. It's still raging. The winds have never stopped yet. But you see their changed heart. From, be from being scared disciples, they were now glad to take him into the boat. They calmed down before the wind stopped. And they did say, right? It didn't say that the wind stopped before. But they were glad even when the wind stops. The wind was raging. Now, even in the midst of our trials, even in the midst of our dire circumstances, right? Guess what? We can find peace in Jesus Christ. We can find peace in Jesus Christ. So the biggest miracle that day is not Jesus or Peter walking on water. The biggest miracle that day is that Jesus came to us. Because He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. That's the biggest miracle that day. The biggest miracle is them realizing that Jesus is God and that God is with them that day and that God is with us today. 
Because after Jesus Christ resurrected from the cross, resurrected from the grave, when he went to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to live in each and every one of you. Amen? So no storm can stop him. You know, the storms that you're going through right now, you know what? Jesus is just walking on that. He's not even running. He's not crawling. He's just walking casually over the storms that you're having right now. He's just walking on that and then he's walking towards you. That is the miracle that we experience. That wherever we go, whatever storm we are in, Right? Whatever trials, whatever tribulation that we face, whatever problems you face, you're not facing it alone because God is with you. Let's all stand and pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, for your word. And in that word, Father, we found your promise, Lord, that you have never left us and you will never forsake us, Lord. You will never leave us in the midst of the storm, in the midst of this darkness, Lord. You are always with us. But Father, right now, Lord God, we just lift our burdens to you. We just, Lord God, lift our problems to you, Lord. We lift all this heaviness to you. Lord, take it away. Take it away, Father. Lord, even this illness, Lord, take it away. Even the hurt that was done towards us, Lord, take it away. And Father, right now, Lord God, I just ask, Lord, that you give us the grace and the strength to let you in our boats. Come into our boats, Lord. Say this with me. Jesus, come into our boat. Come into our boat. Stay in our hearts, Lord. So whatever darkness, whatever insecurity, whatever Lord God, confusion that we face, Lord, we will face it boldly because we know that you are with us and that you already have provided us with the grace, the strength, the wisdom, and the comfort by your blood. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's all receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and give you grace. May the Lord open doors for you to declare the miracles that you have experienced. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You're now dismissed. I'll see you again next week. God bless you all. Have a good weekend.